singer by the name of Oksana Hreb. That is from a live performance recorded back in 2011. The song was called Viter, or Wind. Vitaju vas vsih šenovni radio suhiči na radio peredaču naš holos radio krinskoho korinja. Pre mikrofoni Pavlina djakuju štorišle prebuti se mnoju na stupnu hodenu. Me mama duže cikavi novene na srednišnji programi. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm your host Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me. We've got a great program lined up for you. Ukrainian Jewish heritage will take a look at the symbolism surrounding Babinyar. As well, we have news from Ukraine, courtesy Ukraine Today, and a book review of a book that was shortlisted for the 2016 Kobzer Literary Award. It is a fascinating look at the Ukrainian sud the Ukrainian community, rather, of Sudbury, Ontario. So stay stay tuned for that. We've got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is a group from Winnipeg. They are uh, pretty innovative, kind of hard to um, categorize them. They're sort of um, cross between folk, funk, rock. They are called Zrada. Here they are now with Daimony Horilku, Give Me Some Whiskey. <laughs> Раз, два, три, ханя, колись у 
to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com. And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. Welcome to Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm Peter Baker. Today we look at symbols and mythologies. When competing narratives on history clash, the battle over symbols becomes heated and emotional. Vitaly Nakhbanovich is a Ukrainian historian who has written extensively on the formation and manipulation of national memory. He has been particularly incisive in analyzing the politics of memory. Nachmanovich contributed an important essay to the book Babin Yar, History and Memory, which was recently published to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the tragedy. His essay, entitled Babin Yar, A Place of Memory in Search of a Future, details the complex and sometimes cynical debates over the symbols of commemoration in what he calls a contested landscape of memory. Nachmanovich points out that Babin Yar provokes a confrontation. During the Soviet era, this was a confrontation between the public's need to honor the memory of Jewish victims of the Nazis and the actions of the Soviet government trying to impose an artificial memory of events. The Soviet authorities also physically destroyed the scene of the crimes at Babin Yar. Nachmanovich reminds us Babin Yar was flooded with a deluge of pulp from nearby brick plants in the 1950s. This resulted in a notorious mudslide in 1961 when the pulp smashed through a flimsy dam in destroyed Kiev city neighborhoods, killing many people. In subsequent decades, new streets were laid across the filled-in ravine at Babin Yar. 
nearby cemeteries, Jewish, Orthodox Christian, Karaite, and Muslim, were closed, destroyed, and built over to a large degree. In 1976, the Soviets put up what Nachmanovich calls a pretentious and tasteless monument at Babin Yar. The monument was dedicated, quote, to the Soviet citizens and captive soldiers and officers of the Soviet army who were shot by the German fascists in Babin Yar, unquote. Four out of seven small ravines that remained at the very summit of Babin Yar were destroyed. After Ukrainian independence in 1991, the monuments and their symbolic meanings became more inclusive. There were joint commemorations of Jewish victims by the Jewish and ethnic Ukrainian communities, as well as by state leaders. The menorah monument was dedicated to the memory of the Jewish victims. A commemorative marker in honor of the prisoners of the Siretz concentration camp was also placed. Since then, there have been additional monuments and markers dedicated to other victims, such as Ukrainian nationalists, Orthodox Church priests, children, and the Roma. Debates continue over proposed new monuments. Nachmanovich reminds us that we must turn to various mythologies to make sense of the continuing battles over memorials at Babin Yar. One mythology places what is called the Great Patriotic War as an event that was and remains the justification of the entire history of the Soviet period. This Soviet mythology does not accept the exceptional nature of Jewish victims, as the Slavic people suffered the greatest losses. Another mythology focuses on the heroic and sacrificial nature of those who fought in the long and bitter struggle for Ukrainian statehood. However, the Jewish community and the world beyond Ukraine view Babin Yar as exclusively a symbol of the Holocaust. But for Ukraine, it is a symbol of many tragedies that took place during the Nazi occupation. For the city of Kiev, it is also a symbol of its long history before and after World War II. This history includes the burial of victims of the famine of the 1930s and Soviet terror in the cemeteries adjacent to the ravine, the sacrilegious destruction of a historic necropolis, as well as the mudslide. Nachmanovich notes that the absence in today's Ukraine of a shared memory of World War II and the Holocaust complicates the search for consensus on the very meaning and symbolism of Babin Yar. Nonetheless, he reminds us the reconciliation of Ukrainian and Jewish national memory depends primarily on the wisdom and vision of Ukrainians and Jews in developing a common future within Ukraine as a country. This has been Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. From San Francisco, I'm Peter Baker. Until next time, Shalom. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. Ковилами стринувся йому старий покинутий вітряк і гукнув до нього вітер вже не півстоліття ти стоїш самотня тут немов навік закляк і гукнув до нього вітер Жали больне півстоліття, ти стоїш самотньо тут, немов на вік закляк. Пам'ятаєш твої крила, стільки хліба молотили, і були з тобою ми.
мусиш ти. Тож тепер летімо, брате, ходять ліючи стояти, коли маєш крила, то літати мусиш ти. На млині ворон чорний Гаркнув вітру на все горло За що ти глузуєш з нього? В чим ми його вина? Не тривож дарма старого І лети собі з Богом Чашу він свого гіркого Вже допив до дна не чіпай старого І лети собі з Богом Чашу він свого гіркого Вже допив до дна Лиш вітряк стояв отерпло Тільки стало в чорнах терпко А скажений вітер Від свого не відступав Слетіти захотілось, аж у грудях заскрипіло, і змахнувши крилами, на трави він упав. Так злетіти захотілось, аж у грудях заскрипіло, і змахнувши крилами, на трави він упав. a group from Ukraine called Teen Sonsia, which translates as Shadow of the Sun, and that was a song called Vitrak, or Windmill. Coming up next, back to Canada, we have Kalabai from Edmonton, and you'll need your dancing boots for this. It is Rozvevaisya Zelene Bayracha, a Kozak song. <laughs> Hey, my little sky, yeah. 
Corner book reviews by Myra Junik. Ukrainian stories in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing Stacy Zembritsky's book, According to Baba, a collaborative oral history of Sudbury's Ukrainian community. According to Baba is the story of Sudbury's Ukrainian community during the years 1901 to 1939. Working with her grandmother, her Baba, Stacy used oral history interviews to trace the community's complicated social networks and political groups. This engrossing book discloses with honesty and respect what happened when Stacy tried to capture these experiences through oral history. In 2001, Stacy Zembritsky was a graduate student doing doctoral research. While looking for a topic, she remembered her Baba's stories about Sudbury and decided to focus on an oral history of Sudbury's Ukrainian community. While the history of Ukrainian-Canadian settlement on the prairies has been well documented, there was very little information about Ukrainian-Canadian communities in mining towns such as Sudbury, Ontario. Stacy began her project by asking for volunteers at St. Mary's Ukrainian Catholic Church in Sudbury to share their stories. No one responded. Stacy needed help, and her Baba started calling her friends. The resulting research project was an unconventional oral history which was a collaboration between Stacy and her grandmother. During the interviews, Baba frequently interrupted the process and interjected her views on the topic being discussed. Frustrated at her lack of control, Stacy decided that the only way to get through her research project was to share authority with her Baba. She tells readers that for her this project was about working with my Baba and listening deeply to stories about her home, her identity, and ultimately her community. In total, the two interviewed 72 people. The resulting 2007 dissertation eventually became the book According to Baba, a collaborative oral history of Sudbury's Ukrainian community. This book examines several important aspects of the Sudbury Ukrainian-Canadian community from 1901 to 1939 in its five chapters. Building, Recreating Home and Community, Solidifying Organized Ukrainian Life, Contesting Confrontational Identities, Cultivating Depression-Era Households, and Remembering Baba Sudbury. The early chapters describe Stacy's family history. These were very difficult economic times as the Sudbury mining industry was developing, and then came the Depression years. Families struggled to feed their children, to keep a roof over their heads, and to establish a social and religious network to preserve their Ukrainian culture and traditions. According to Baba, is an important story which details the growth of the Ukrainian community in Sudbury through the eyes of its participants. The personal details and observations give readers great insights into the lives and personal moments of these pioneers of Ukrainian community life in Sudbury. Their dedication to building churches, 
and community centers shows the importance of preserving Ukrainian traditions in their lives through religion, education, concerts, drama productions, and other community events. Although this book is the result of an academic endeavor, readers will definitely enjoy the stories of the interviews. There are extensive footnotes and a lengthy bibliography for anyone wanting to do further research. The discussion of the process of oral history is at times repetitive, but it is important to understanding how the book was produced and why it turned out the way it did. A particularly interesting aspect of this book is Stacy's examination of the role of the Ukrainian Labour Farm Temple Association in Sudbury. Communist sympathizers are rarely discussed in historical accounts in a positive light, but this book reveals that they played an important sociocultural and educational role in the community. Stacy Zimbritsky is a professor in the Department of History at Concordia University in Montreal. She has written for several academic journals, including Oral History, Canadian Historical Review, Journal of Modern Jewish Studies, Urban History Review, and the Journal of Canadian Studies. Along with Anna Scheftel, Stacy edited the book Oral History Off the Record, Toward an Ethnography of Practice, which won the 2014 Oral History Association Book Award. According to Baba, was published in 2014 and is accompanied by the website www.sudburyukrainians.ca. Currently, Stacy is working on an oral history about the environment and health in the Sudbury region, as well as a book about Holocaust stories. According to Baba, was a finalist for the 2016 Kobzar Literary Award. According to Baba, is available at Chapters Indigo and Amazon. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Vysluchajte radio predaču Nasholos Radio Krinskoho Korinja na Batumovni radio stanci AM 1320 u misti Vancouveri. Hovorit Pavlina. You're listening to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Pavlina. The latest news stories from Ukraine, courtesy Ukraine's first international English news channel, Ukraine Today. 30 cases of ceasefire violation have been recorded in Donbass conflict zone overnight. 
According to Ukraine's ATO headquarters, Russian-backed militants opened their fire mainly in the Mariupol sector. Ukrainian army positions were shelled with mortars in Vodyane, Krasnohorivka, Gnutove, Taremchuk and Marinka. Large-caliber machine guns and grenade launchers were also active in those towns as well as in the Avdiivka industrial zone. Separatists used artillery to shell the town of Bohuslavske in Luhansk region. One Ukrainian soldier has been reported injured for the past day in the ATO zone. Ukraine's ATO headquarters reported seven injured Ukrainian soldiers over the past day in the Donbas conflict zone. Regional hospitals neighboring the front line have already accepted the wounded men. The Ukrainian armed forces have been attacked 35 times overnight with grenade launchers, machine guns and banned mortars. Mariupol remains the area of most active militant shelling. 20 cases have been recorded of ceasefire violation. The villages of Shirokina, Dalakivka and Taremchuk were mostly affected. Nine barrages have taken place in the Luhansk sector. In the Donetsk area, there have seen six attacks. 82mm mortars have been used in both sectors. Ukrainian TSN news service reported five wounded Ukrainian soldiers in the ATO zone overnight. The men have been hospitalized and their injuries are no life-threatening. According to the press service of Ukraine's ATO headquarters, combined Russian separatist forces attacked Ukrainian army positions in eastern Ukraine 40 times in the past 24 hours, including 24 in the Mariupol sector, three barrages in the Luhansk sector and 13 in the Donetsk. Mariupol remains an active area for militant shelling. Machine guns, grenade launchers and small arms have been used in that sector. The Avdiivka industrial zone was also under fire. Militants shelled with 122mm artillery systems and mortars. In addition, enemy snipers and grenade launchers were active in the village of Stanitsa Luhanska. 495 Ukrainian women and 68 children have been killed since Russia invaded eastern Ukraine. First deputy chairperson of Ukraine's parliament and Ukrainian envoy for the humanitarian issues at the Minsk peace talks, Irina Garashenko, announced at a UN Security Council meeting on October the 25th. Ukraine's MP emphasized that the problem of women's and children's rights violations on the temporarily occupied territories is especially complicated. Every fourth person who has been in captivity of the pro-Russian militants became a victim or a witness of a gender-based violence. Sexual violence is used as part of their tortures to spread panic and fear. According to the Security Service of Ukraine data, 238 women have been taken into captivity in the separate areas of Donetsk and Lugansk regions over the past two years. By now, 233 women have been found and released due to the efforts of the Ukrainian authorized agencies. Five more women are still in captivity. Gerashenko once again appealed to the United Nations to include the issues of sexual violence in the eastern Ukraine's conflict zone and in the organization's mandate. We know about the facts of human trafficking in the temporary occupied territories, about sexual assaults and exploitation, about forcing children to take part in military actions. All of this is unacceptable in the modern world. Ukraine will sue Russia over the ban of Crimean Tatar Mejlis. Ukrainian Ministry of Justice plans to file a lawsuit in the European Court for Human Rights before the end of the year. Now law enforcement agencies gather all the necessary information about persons involved in making the illegal decision. Russia should appear in court as a defendant country. A month ago, Moscow court banned Mejlis and rejected the appeal of Crimean Tatars as the Mejlis was considered an extremist organization. The Russian security service continues searching the homes of Crimean Tatars in Bakhchisarai, according to Zair Smedlyev, head of the Central Election Committee of the Kurultai. He says Russian FSB raided the homes of Enver Abduveliev and Asan Serverov. They are being accused of participating in a volunteer battalion at the border of occupied Crimea and Ukraine. Computers have been confiscated from both houses. 
Today, there are two court hearings scheduled for the Crimean Tatars. Both men are being charged with taking part in a terrorist group, along with other fictional crimes. As well today, Elmiu Merov, deputy head of the Mejlis, will be interrogated, being accused of encroachment on territorial integrity of Russia after his interview, where he stated Crimea is not part of Russia. Ukrainian patriots burned the flag of Russian-backed separatists in the center of Donetsk and have risen the flag of Ukraine on one of the local slag heaps. The video appeared on the internet on October the 25th. Patriots who raised the flag said they are members of the Donetsk resistance. According to their statement, they acted on behalf of other patriots of Ukraine who live in militant-held Donetsk. As proof of this video is filmed in Donetsk, the activists captured on camera a few recognisable views of the city from the slag heap. Earlier they published a video burning the flag of DPR near the Donbass Arena Stadium in the centre of militant-occupied Donetsk. Activists said the war started because local population believed the Kremlin propaganda and called Russian militants like Gherkin, Motorola to their land. Also, the activists called militant states in Donbass not a people's, but a gangster's republic. Nadia Savchenko returned to Moscow to attend Russia's Supreme Court hearing on an appeal against the sentencing of Ukrainian Stanislav Klik and Mykola Karpuk, who were slapped with a sentence of up to 22 years in prison for fighting in the 1990s Chechia war. This is the first visit of Savchenko to Moscow after her two-year imprisonment. She explained this trip was a necessity to support the Ukrainians in the courtroom and show her solidarity. Five hours of talks were needed for the Normandy group to prepare a new document which outlined steps to reach peace in eastern Ukraine. It was called a roadmap for the Minsk Agreement's implementation. The presidents of France, Ukraine, Russia and the Chancellor of Germany met at around 7 in the evening Kyiv time and came to the common understanding late at night. The draft provides a list of gradual measures regarding the Minsk agreements, what obligations and time deadlines the parties have. The final document will have been worked on by the end of November, when the foreign ministers of the four countries adopt the finalized roadmap. Most of the time we talked about the security issues, and we emphasized that all components of the security issues within the Minsk agreements are integral part of the roadmap. Those are a withdrawal of foreign troops and access of the OSCE special monitoring mission to all the territory, including the contact line and uncontrolled part of Ukraine-Russia border. Angela Merkel, together with François Hollande, directly after the meeting, discussed the Syrian question with Vladimir Putin. At around 2 a.m. Kyiv time, the German and French leaders come up before the journalists for a press conference. Merkel states before finalizing the roadmap, a lot of work must be done, and adds that security issues should be solved along with the political part of the Minsk. If you look closer at the Minsk deal, Ukraine gets a control over its border only in the end of the Minsk process. Before it happens, we have agreed that OSCE observers can easily travel up to the border. Sometimes it's possible, sometimes problematic. The Russian president confirmed it. When a law on local elections in Donbass is adopted and elections are underway, then we can talk about an armed mission of the OSCE. Today in Brussels, Merkel and Oland will discuss Russia's actions in Ukraine and Syria, together with the EU members during the European Council summit. Elections will take place only when control over Ukraine-Russia state border is established by an OSCE armed mission. Petro Poroshenko has commented on the Normandy meeting in an interview with major TV channels. The president said there are only two alternatives to the Minsk agreements, either military settlement of the conflict or abandonment of the occupied territories. Both options are unacceptable for Ukraine. According to the head of the state, Ukraine's strategy at the Normandy talks hasn't changed. We should get control over the border on behalf of an OSCE armed mission. This is let down in the Minsk deal that I always stress about. That control must stop infiltration of Russian troops, weapons and ammunition. After the second day of elections, Ukraine's army must gain the border control. 
Polish Parliament, following Ukraine, has adopted a resolution on World War II events and Russian aggression against Ukraine. Polish MPs accepted the document that states the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact between the Soviet Union and Nazi Germany caused the war and occupation of Poland. The declaration also states that today's actions of Moscow towards Ukraine are a threat to peace and security of Europe. It is expected that the document will also be ratified in Lithuania after the country forms the new parliament. We vote for this resolution because we consider cooperation with Ukraine being crucial for us. It serves the country's interests. We vote because we remember the tragic moments of our mutual history of Poland and Ukraine. The history casts a shadow over many poles, but to our mind, history cannot derail our present and future partnership. Not to ruin the European integration of Ukraine, this demand has been shouted outside the embassy of the Netherlands. Activists drew a map of Ukraine by the embassy's gates. It must remind the Dutch about their decision on the future of the association agreement between Ukraine and the European Union. By November the 1st, the Dutch government has to decide on the agreement on the ratification. A year ago, Dutch Parliament finalized the ratification procedure, however, people voted against it. A definitive decision will be made by the government in a week. The campaign activists say they appeal to the Dutch officials to become the 28th country to ratify the agreement. We plan to hand over a signed appeal to the ambassador or an embassy representative on Friday. He changed the military uniform for a teacher's suit. In the city of Dnipro, this demobilized soldier teaches history at the preparatory class for internally displaced children. It's a volunteer project for him. Yaroslav says the best reward for his work is to know his students have passed history exams perfectly. A year ago, historian by profession, Yaroslav served in the ATO zone. He had witnessed nearly the whole of the Donetsk region. Now, dozens of students await the young teacher in the city library. All the children are different and united by one tragedy. They personally know what a war means. Some survived bombing, others lost their relatives, and none of them want to recall those heartbreaking moments. Friends who I had there, they chose a different point of view, and we argued with each other pretty much. I want to live in Ukraine. Yaroslav, the teacher, says the main rule for his lecture is no propaganda. The environment affects a person or what parents think, so my criteria is the truth without politicizing the information I give. All internally displaced children are being invited to the classes, free of charge and without any diploma requirements. Ukraine is reclaiming the nationality status of Kazimir Malevich, telling the world about him through books and art installations. The German city of Frankfurt is hosting the largest book fair in the world. More than 7,000 publishers, literary agencies and writers from almost 100 countries have all gathered in one place. The Ukrainian stand has been designed in avant-garde style inspired by Malevich himself. One part of the presentation is dedicated to him, in particular, an English version of the book Kazimir Malevich Kyiv Period. Ukraine's culture ministry says there are plans to promote internationally known names and remind to the world about Ukrainian roots of such artists. The Ukrainian team in Frankfurt will also present a funny book by Ukrainian prisoner in Russia, Oleksantsov. The book is literally called By the Book, It is Funny. Moreover, the Ukrainian corner at the fair will feature comics produced in Ukraine. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's Ukraine News Roundup for this edition of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. To hear more news from Ukraine today, check all of this week's editions of Nasholos at www.nasholos.com. And for their full roster of breaking stories, as well as interviews, press reviews, and in-depth analysis on Ukraine, follow Ukraine Today on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and their live blog, uatoday.tv.
Saskatchewan. That was Tuti Tam, and from their first CD, self-titled, Davai the Rai, and that is a bilingual title. Basically, this means the same thing as a song we had earlier in in the show, Davai the Rai, Give Me Some Whiskey, as in rye whiskey. And up next is Chetam Shinna from Montreal with a bit of a warning um, about what will happen if you divide too much rye. Oi boleta kolovonka, om how my headaches. in Vancouver's Ukrainian community. This Friday, enjoy a pierogi supper at the Holy Trinity Ukrainian Orthodox Auditorium, 154 East 10th Avenue in Vancouver, from 5 till 8 p.m. For details, call Holy Trinity Ukrainian Orthodox Parish at 604-274-8030 or visit uocvancouver.com. If you're organizing a Ukrainian cultural event, we'll be happy to announce it here free of charge. As well, please send in your suggestions, special requests, and dedications. Your comments are always welcome. Email producer at noshholos.com or fill out the form at the Noshholos website. You can also call us at 604-227-0942 or record and leave your own audio announcement at our website, noshholos.com. On Wednesdays, catch Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio broadcasting live from Nanaimo to north and central Vancouver Island, the Gulf Islands, the Sunshine Coast, northwest Washington State, and in the greater Vancouver listening area. Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific Time on CHLY Radio Malaspina, 101.7 FM on the radio dial, and streaming online at chly.ca. 
Channel 8 Omni airs two Ukrainian-language TV shows in the Vancouver viewing area. Contact TV Sundays at 7 a.m. with repeats Tuesdays at 9 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 a.m. And Forum TV Sundays at 8 a.m. with repeats on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Thursdays at 12 noon. And at 6 p.m. on Saturday evenings, flip your radio dial right back here to AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver or catch the live stream at am1320.com. And join me for another hour of fun on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. In between broadcasts, make sure to follow Nasholos and me on Facebook and Twitter. And for audio archives, transcripts, podcast feeds and more, visit our website at www.nasholos.com. Manitoba, that was the By Request Band and the Drift Away Waltz. Coming up next, also from that neck of the woods, but many years ago, this is Mickey and Bunny now with a song called Kalabai. <laughs> (laughs) 
Ne žalme vše skinčele našu programu, vše času domu vi skazate do pobačenja, ali pred tem je hoći zalešati vas tekeme slovame mudrostja. Dlja pravde, spravodljivostja, koles teke musjet drohu vičinete. And our proverb of the week translates as sooner or later a path must be made for truth and justice. And that about wraps it up for Nash Holos this week. To take us to the end of our program, we have Peter Lamb and some music that typically greeted wedding guests arriving at the reception. Vivat. I'm Pavlina on behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320. Thanks for listening and Dobranich. <laughs> Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.